Fundraising from foundations. What changes have we needed to make because of the COVID pandemic? Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and welcome to the first day from the fundraising school. I'm joined today by Bill Lutz, who's the executive director of New Path Inc., located in West Central Ohio, providing services to citizens across that region. And as Bill does so, uh, they have a significant amount of fundraising from private foundations. Bill, great to have you with us on this Fundraising School podcast. First of all, help our audience understand what is New Path Inc. Sure. First of all, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, Bill. Um, New Path Incorporated, we exist to help people meet their own basic needs, uh, whether that's food, clothing, transportation, uh, rent or a utility bill that they're behind. That's what we do. We're mostly known for our food pantries, which we operate too here in uh, Miami County, Ohio, which is just north of Dayton. Um, we'll get probably 30 to 35,000 folks come through our food pantries in any given year. And Bill, with the pandemic, no doubt more and more of our neighbors are finding themselves in those situations where New Path can, can help fill that gap. Uh, as you fundraise, uh, you know, what percentage of your fundraising is from foundations? Um, Last year was a bit of an anomaly. It ended up being about 25 to 30%. Usually in any given year, it's about 15 to 20% of our funding comes from, from foundations. Yeah, so you're kind of falling within that Giving USA category. We're about 15 to 18% of charitable giving is from foundations from one year to the next. But as the pandemic has surged and needs for your services uh, have surged, you've increased your fundraising from foundations. What changes have you need to make as you've been you know, cultivating these relationships and writing these grant proposals uh, to charitable foundations interested in supporting your work? Well, the first thing is, is understand how your foundations that support you have gone through this pandemic as well. Um, when the pandemic first started, we were in a very fortunate spot. Local foundations actually called us and said, hey, how can we help? And uh, we gave them kind of the lay of the land where we were at that time and they were very generous with giving us dollars that um, were basically just um, unrestricted funds. Um, funds for just do what you have to do to help our neighbors. But as things went on, things were dicey for local foundations. Uh, the stock market was at a point where it had not uh, ticked up yet. And they were seriously worried about how they were able uh, to support not only our organization, but other organizations uh, moving forward as well. Fortunately, the stock market has ticked up. And in fact, the S&P had a positive year last year. And so what they're doing now is I think they're kind of looking at what are some ways that they can kind of redo their own processes to get more dollars out onto the street. Because what they've found is that sometimes through their processes of getting money out on the street, it was very slow, it was very cumbersome. And in order to help the organizations that are helping the community, I think they've realized they need to kind of clean up their processes a little bit more. Bill mentioned the stock market, the research from the Lilly Family School Philanthropy that we utilize here at the fundraising school demonstrates that the stock market is an indicator of the ability of foundations to give since they have their portfolios invested in the stock market. So especially the S&P 500, when that goes up, foundations simply have more money to give. Uh, and those that have that minimum requirement of setting out at least 5% are now required to give out even more money. And as Bill mentioned, the S&P 500 was up 16% uh, in the year 
2020. Uh, Bill, when you are approaching these foundations and you have an increasing number of neighbors who are needing your services, how do you talk about impact and how do you talk about results? Because obviously uh, the ultimate goal is to have these folks not needing your services, right? That they're back in a self-sufficient uh, position, they're employed, earning just wages that are allowing them to support their households. And of course that doesn't happen overnight. So, you know, foundations want to see results for the grant dollars that they're sending you. How are you describing that to them in your proposals? Yeah. And I think the foundations have gotten less outcome oriented and more output oriented mm -hmm. during the pandemic. Um, before the pandemic, if you would do a grant proposal, you were always talking about outcomes. You were always talking about working with families and individuals to get them off of the assistance you're providing into a more self-sustained area. Um, but I think with some of just the structural problems with the economy that we've had and we've seen that the pandemic has exposed, foundations are now looking at output. How many people can you feed? Um, how many people can you provide rent and utility vouchers for? Um, let's not worry today about getting these people into a place two or three years from now where they're more self-sufficient. Let's just make sure that the lights stay on by the end of the day. And so it'll be interesting to see how these foundations react um, moving forward because, you know, some of these structural things are very hard for families to overcome when you look at some of the outcomes, um, but the outputs are, are things that are relatively easy to do. And of course, all of us are interested in the outcomes, yourself and foundations included. Uh, and what you, if I'm understanding you correctly, that, you know, the foundations are not... Um, no longer concerned about structural and systemic issues, but right now there's kind of this tyranny of the urgent, let's make sure the immediate needs are, are being met. Absolutely, uh, the world's on fire and, and we don't have enough fire hoses. Yeah, that, that's a great way to put that. Uh, in your initial response, you also talked about foundations changing their processes. And, and again, looking at the academic research, the, some of the initial findings that people have discovered while researching charitable giving uh, during 2020, during the pandemic, some of the findings uh, reveal that foundations are, uh, you know, making some changes, that they're not being as prescriptive, that they're providing more flexibility to nonprofits, whether that's how the dollars are being used, or even with the reporting requirements, more than half of foundations kind of easing back on some of those reporting regulations. Has that been your experience as you've been raising money from foundations during the pandemic? Absolutely. Um, foundations want more narrative-based um, explanations, and they're not so worried about the hard data. Now, they, they still are, but they really want to know how has this um, pandemic impacted organizations like ourselves, and how does it impact the world of poverty? One of the most interesting things that's out there is we survey our folks, and if you ask them, has the pandemic had a negative impact on their life? Not really. And the reason for that is these folks are already living in crisis. Um, and so this was just an, another curveball that came their way. And the more that we get that message out to our foundations, the more they're realizing that some of these systematic issues are here and that the role that we play and that the foundation can play in a partnership may have to look a little different moving forward. Bill, that specific example you give is compelling, and it harkens back to uh, an alum of ours who has his master's degree from our school, Jeff Small. He leads a foundation in Indianapolis, their Indianapolis office, the Nina Mason Pulliam Charitable Trust. 
And when we've had Jeff on the podcast, he always emphasizes that nonprofits need to see them as co-equal partners with foundations, not the foundation being in some sort of more powerful position just because the foundation is holding the money. And the reason he always gives is that folks on the front lines have one thing the foundations do not, and that is frontline information, real-time information, real-time data, real stories. And it sounds like that's what you're bringing to the foundations who are funding New Path. We have three major foundations that fund us, and I'm talking to those funders at least twice a month. And the questions are, what are you seeing, and where do you think this is going? And those are the questions I'm always being asked. And those are very fruitful conversations as we move forward, because now we can begin to collaborate on what we need to do to help the foundations meet their mission. because so many times we don't look at this as a partnership. We just think that we're out there to try to hustle for dollars to get the stuff that we want to get done. And while that's some of it, these foundations really do want to create partnerships with local organizations to help improve their community because they've got, they've got stories that they need to tell to their funders. Uh, I mean, to their donors to make sure that the, the struggles that they see in their own community that somebody's working on. And again, our, Colleagues in the foundations, that wing of the philanthropic sector, smart, highly capable people, staying in touch with the issues of the day, taking site visits to our nonprofits. But uh, the folks on the front lines have that everyday experience. They pass the zip code test, so to speak, and uh, can play a valuable role by sending that information to the foundations in their communications, Bill's example, twice a month in that kind of partnership mindset. You know, Bill, one other thing the the research has revealed is that when the economy struggles, uh, individual donors tend to stick with the nonprofits that they've known and trusted all along, that it's difficult to find new individual donors when there's an economic downturn. What have you seen in the foundation world? Have you been able to attract new foundations during the pandemic? Or uh, have you had your most success you know, continuing to stay in touch with the foundations that were funding you before COVID hit? We've had success on both fronts. Um, the foundations that have always funded us have, have always kept an open door of communication to ask how we're doing and, and what they can do to help us further. But I will tell you, back in December, we had a phone call from a foundation we've never heard of. They called us up and said, hey, we know of the good work you're doing there in the Miami Valley of Ohio, and we want to help. And this was a group out of Florida. Um, I guess it was a, a, a family connection somehow. And so we talked to them. It's like, hey, we, we don't want this to be a one and done thing. Uh, we want to continue to have uh, conversations uh, with you folks as we move ahead to see if there's other things here in the Miami Valley that you might want to fund. And, and if we're a part of that, great. If not, we know other organizations in our community that could use your help. Bill, as we conclude our conversation here today, which has been so helpful, what advice would you have just kind of overall for nonprofit organizations uh, as they think about this, again, specifically fundraising from private foundations during the pandemic? Private foundations want to help you. They want to help the communities um, that, that they've decided that they want to serve. And you provide a pivotal link between giving help to those people that need it and to those that have the resources that can do it. Um, and if you don't take advantage of that pivotal position you're in, uh, you'll get frustrated and the foundations themselves will get frustrated too. So find those foundations that are re- 
willing and able to serve your community because they want to be a partner with you. And as you do so, of course, follow those guidelines that the foundations have in place. Bill Lutz is the executive director of New Path, Inc. He referred to the Miami Valley area. Uh, Bill resides in Troy, Ohio. The nonprofit is in Vandalia, Ohio. Think about Dayton, just a little bit north uh, in West Central Ohio. Meanwhile, at the fundraising school, we have our public courses. We're in person in Indianapolis. And we're looking to and exploring the possibility of being in person in some other U.S. cities in the second half of 2021. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, Meanwhile, the rest of the courses are available online, either asynchronous, recorded, or even synchronous in a live format. And you can still apply for a crisis response scholarship that reduces the cost of registration by 50%. We have these free podcasts every week, and they're archived on our website, We also have our quarterly webinars, and in the months when we don't have a webinar, we have Fridays with the Fundraising School, and we hang together online to share information, celebrate success, and of course, commiserate as we get through the challenge of the pandemic. All of this information is available on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the Fundraising School. With Bill Lutz, I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the Fundraising School. Thank you.